much attention to football because my team has not done well at all. But when they play the Cowboys, it's like the Super Bowl for me. And so I see a Dallas Cowboys shirt there. Thank you, Aiden, for that. I appreciate you extending your love to me that way. If you're a Cowboys fan and you're checking the score, just a a public service announcement, no hooping and hollering, all right? Okay, fair? I'll check the score when I get home and then cry a little bit. Um, Hey, it's good to see you all today in church. So glad that you're here, and I, I hope you guys are all having a wonderful weekend. If you're visiting with us this morning, if it's your first time at Thrive, uh, so good to have you with us. Um, I want to actually give a, a shout out. I very rarely do this, but Dave is here, and he's right over there. Dave is uh, he's making a couple notes. Dave, would you raise your hand? Um, Christmas got real for me this morning. Dave lives up in Washington, the state of Washington, and every year he comes down to visit his sister who lives here in Glendora, and every year he is faithfully here at Thrive Church. Dave, a special welcome to you. I turned around this morning, and I, and I saw Dave, and I was like, it's Christmas time. <laughs> And then I also couldn't believe that it had been a year. I couldn't believe it's been a year. But if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. In the seat back in front of you, there's a, a, a card that says connect on it. We'd love just the opportunity to follow up with you this week and say hi. If you would take a second to fill that out. And at the end of service, you can take it back to the hub in the back of the, the auditorium. Uh, and you can give it to one of the people that's there. And uh, we'll, we'll follow, out, re- follow up and reach out to you this Week. There's also a place on the back of that card where you can uh, write any prayer requests you might have. Our prayer team is ready to pray with you and for you. Our, our pastoral team, we want to agree in prayer for God's breakthrough in your life. So you can fill that, that, fill that out. And there's also a place for Thrive Stories, testimonies. If God is answering prayer, we want to hear about it. We want to hear about what God has done in your life. If you have a bulletin with you, uh, make sure to check that out. Uh, there's a few things coming up. Uh, this next week that you'll want to know about tonight, something really important. If you're married, this is for you. Uh, Our Married for Life class is starting in January. It's a 12-week course uh, that is designed to help your marriage go to the next level. No matter where you're at, if you're doing great, this is a good class for you. If you need help in your marriage, this is a good class for you. There's an information meeting tonight. If you want to find out more, 6 p.m. at the Thrive Center, um, make sure to be a part of that. Just go check it out. And, and, and here's what I know can, can happen so often. We hear things and go, man, I should do that. And then the enemy, Satan, starts going, no, no, no. You, you don't want to show up there because then people will know that you need help in your marriage. Can we just agree that if you're married, you need help in your marriage, right? So we're all in the same boat. Go check it out. Jim and Casey will be leading that tonight. And uh, go, uh, go hear a little bit more about how God wants your marriage not to survive but to thrive. Amen. And then next Sunday, we have a church Christmas party and game night. Uh, It's at 5 p.m. next Sunday evening, and it'll be at our home. The information is in the bulletin there. Uh, It's going to be nice and packed out. We're going to have a good night, play some different Christmas games, eat some goodies, uh, maybe go Christmas caroling. We'll just kind of see what happens. It's going to be a good night. Uh, So make plans to be a part of that. Uh, There's other information there. You can also check out the church website at thriveglendora.org to find out more about what's coming up. Well, it is Christmas, and uh, I need the microphone. There it is. I want to invite uh, the Avies to come join me. We've been over the last few weeks doing Advent, uh, and we have our Advent candle here, and as Brian and Isaac make their way up, each week we invite a different family to come and, and share testimony of what God is doing in their lives and share a verse. We've talked about uh, hope, love, and today is joy. It is Joy Sunday. I'm going to have you guys come stand right over here. How are you guys doing? Uh, Jeannie, uh, Brian's wife, is at home. Uh, they just recently had a baby, and so she is caring for their baby, and, uh, and so we just get you today, right? We're okay with that, though. We're okay with that. Give me five, dude. You ready? You ready to light a candle? <laughs> yeah, you are. Come on. So uh, I asked Brian if he would come share about joy. He's going to share a verse with us and then a, a short testimony. The verse we have for today is found in Luke chapter 2. Verses 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. 
that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Wow. That's, that's the best news, I guess, anybody could ever receive. And so, get notes. Right on. <laughs> the testimony. Um, so, uh, Joy, I, I, I just I jotted some things down because I like to jot, you know. I, Not journal. I don't journal. He journal, he jots. <laughs> I, um, and these are some of the things that I wrote looking back on how God has worked in, in uh, our lives as a family. Um, joy seems to be more of a cognitive or an intellectual concept rather than an emotion or a feeling. And that really reflects back on what you said, the deep knowledge, you know, knowing deeply, you know, uh, and not feeling something like happiness, for example. Now, God cares about that, but happiness is usually a response to circumstance, and joy seems to be more of a confidence built on relationship. The angel definitely in, in this verse is not speaking of earthly joy because we know that exists. Uh, but the Bible speaks a lot about that as well. Um, Job says that the joy of the godless is momentary. And Ecclesiastes 7.6 says that worldly joy is like kindling wood. It just burns up. So in the verse, it says great joy that will be for all the people. A savior. Joy is our salvation, knowing that we will never be separated from our Father. And joy is a gift from God to those who believe the gospel of Christ, being produced in them by the Holy Spirit because they receive and obey the word of God while experiencing trials. And keeping their hope fixed on the glory which is to come. And so joy is what keeps us going even through the trials and the burdens of our daily life. Because it's, it's greater than that. It's more than just happiness. It's knowing that we'll, be, that we'll never be separated from our Father. It's, the reconcil it's us being reconciled. To God through Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. All right. We're ready to light this candle? Let's light the candle. All right. Here we go. So we're going to do this one right here. Okay. I have a few. A few places to smell. Better get closer towards the Portuguese, if you're wondering. So tough, huh? All right, Dad, you got it. As, as Brian's lighting that candle, um, of course, the birth of a new baby in their home brings a lot of joy, right? We talk about babies as a bundle of joy. Um, but that's not the only thing that has been given birth to in the AV household this year. Um, as many of you know, Brian has a passion for missions, and it's been on his heart for many years to actually start a, a nonprofit organization to start supporting the work of missions around the world. And I'm happy to report, as of this last week, Upraise Incorporated, his missions organization, is established, have a bank account, <laughs> uh, have a board of directors, and he's off to the races. So you can praise the Lord for that. I know this is... This has not just been a, a long-term dream, but it's also been something that's been fraught with a lot of obstacles and challenges. And so um, he's a humble man, and he won't, when I say testimony, I, the, the idea is you talk about yourself, but most people are like, I want to talk about myself, so I'll talk about you. Um, their faithfulness, their family, the way that they serve the Lord, the, the way that they live simply so that they can bless the kingdom is pretty amazing. And so um, I want to actually pray for you guys this morning, if that's okay. And I want you to agree, um, if you would just extend your hand to Brian and Isaac this morning as we lift them up. Father God, I thank you. 
uh, that joy indeed isn't just a feeling, Lord, that it's, it's something established deep inside of us, Lord. And I thank you that for the AVs, Lord, that's so evident. And Lord, in the midst of what I know has been a tough year in many ways, uh, Lord, we wouldn't know it because of the joy that exudes from this family. And so, Lord, as they walk into a new season with another member of their family, but also, Lord, with a great responsibility that comes with upraise. Lord, that there are great things you have in store for the AVs. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless them. Lord, that you would provide. God, that you would encourage them. And Lord, I pray that Brian and Jeannie would never, ever lose a sense of joy that they have in you. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right, dude. Give me a hug. Awesome. Let's give them a hand as they take their seat. We look forward to seeing that baby, by the way. If you return in your Bibles this morning, we're going to continue to continue our series on the promise of Christmas. Uh, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Been talking about for the last couple of weeks, uh, the promise of Christmas. Uh, Jesus, we even sang about promises this morning. That God's promises are yes and amen. And that we find in the Old Testament the promise of a Savior who would come and redeem his people. And we're just touching on one of those promises, but the Bible is full of God's promises to us. There's so many. There's so many things that God says that he will be for us and that he will do for us and that he will do in us. Well, I want to focus just on a few more that, that are, we find here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let, six let's v- read this verse says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called. And let's read this part together out loud. Ready? Go. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, now we, we can look at that and say, well, his name will be called and say, well, those are descriptions, and, and indeed they are. But they're not just that, they're also promises from God to us about who Jesus would be for us. That he would be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace. So we've looked over the last couple of weeks at wonderful counselor. Last week we looked at mighty God. And this morning we'll be talking about Jesus as our everlasting father. Now, I know about you, but immediately... That raises some questions for me and might even create a little bit of confusion. See, because in the Trinity, there's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is, which part of that? He's the Son. But here, Isaiah calls him Father. You're tracking with me? Do you see the point of confusion? So which is he? Is he the Father or is he the Son? How can Jesus, born as a baby, laying in a manger, be a Father? How can he be called Father? And so I want to clear this up a little bit and answer maybe a couple of questions before we continue today. So it seems like a a contradiction within the Godhead, that the Father can't possibly be the Son and the Son the Father. And is it it maybe just we don't understand uh, that that attributing the name Father to Jesus uh, is not an in place of. He's not now the Father in place of the Father uh, it's, it's attributed to him because of his function, not his position. The name eternal father is given to Jesus because of his function, not because of his position. And it's important for us to understand this. We'll see why in just a minute. See, the father is the father. Our heavenly father, father God, is the father. He is the head. He sits in the seat, in the place of authority. And that doesn't change. It will never change. It, it always has been that way and it always be that way. Will always be that way. And Jesus submits himself to the Father. Now I know, I realize we're diving in deep right out of the gate this morning, right? Um, and, and, and it'll lighten up in a second, but it's important for us to understand this. Jesus submits himself to the Father. They're not in competition with each other. They're not in competition with each other. 
And, and I think that's something we even see in the world today where sons have to try and prove something to their dads and even start competing with their dads. That doesn't exist in the Godhead. Jesus is not in competition with the Father. They have nothing to prove to each other. Nothing. They have a perfect relationship. And in the midst of that perfection, they humbly serve each other in their respective roles, along with the Holy Spirit. See, the Father initiates. He's the authority. And as the one who has the authority, he initiates. It's the Son's role to agree with the Father. We hear that all throughout Jesus' life and ministry. I only do what I hear the Father telling me, and he walks in agreement with the, with the Father, and it's the Holy Spirit who empowers. And in this functional, in, 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 this, in their respective roles, they submit and serve each other, and it's a beautiful thing, and that's a whole other sermon series that we'll get to at some other point. See, within his role as the Son, Jesus has fatherly functions. See, I am a son. My dad's name is Brian. By the way, he turned 70 years old this week. Uh, Isn't that cool? We're going to go celebrate with him tonight. I, I am Brian's son, and he was William's son. But I'm not just a son. I'm also a father to Micah, Blake, Gavin, and Grace. And so when I became a father, I didn't stop being a son. I just assumed the role of father because my life situation changed. Because I had now, because of my relationship with Megan and our marriage, we, were, we, we conceived and we had children. And now I'm a father, but I didn't stop being a son. Jesus is a father because of the function that he stepped into when he was born into this world. Are we tracking? Are we good? Pretty cool, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, the father, the name father was given to me because of Micah, Blake, Gavin, and Grace. I lost my place there for a second. We'll get back on track. In that role, my responsibility increased and expanded a lot. And I'm going to tell that story in a few minutes here. Jesus is both a son but he is also a father to us. And that is going to be the focus of the message this morning. Jesus as our everlasting father. In the role that he performs. In the role that he stepped into. In the function that he has as our Lord and Savior. That there are roles that he has in our lives as a father would have. And I got to tell you, out of all the promises we've talked about thus far. This, this is my favorite not that you can put the promises of God about over each other, but I think there's something about, of an affinity that we have when we read about these things, uh, probably because I'm a dad. My heart is stirred because I'm a dad, and when I understand Jesus' desire to be our eternal father, oh man, it touches something inside of me, and I believe it will inside of you this morning. So we're going to focus on Jesus as our eternal father. I want to start with the word eternal. Um, and we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. We've talked about the fact that Jesus is eternal, that he didn't just show up in Bethlehem. That wasn't his first kind of foray onto the scene. Jesus was present at creation. He was present before creation. Uh, he always was and always will be. Uh, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Jesus is eternal. And so I don't want to camp out here too long. Um, Revelation 1.8, for another uh, point of contact with, with the Word of God that will back this up and speak to this. Revelation 1.8 says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Jesus is eternal. He is eternal. There's no shadow of turning in him. And so we, we have to kind of wrap our minds around that, allow that to settle in so we can understand his role as an eternal father. He's always been and he will always be, including his time when he took on flesh here on earth. Jesus is three things when it comes to fatherhood. The first is this. He is the father who fathers. The father who fathers. You might be going, well, what does that mean? Let me give you an example. Megan and I were married at the end of 1996, 
in a massive ice storm up in Olympia, Washington, and uh, it, was a, it was a great time, too long of a story to get into, but uh, our, our wedding was uh, quite an adventure, let's to say the least, and we ended up going on honeymoon to Banff, Canada. We landed in Calgary, Alberta, Canada on uh, December 30th, and it was negative 45 Fahrenheit. Yeah. So we're done with the cold. We're all about the tropical places. Um, but we had a great honeymoon. We came back to Washington and then drove back to California where we moved into our apartment. Uh, we were still students at Life Pacific College, Life Bible College at the time. I worked on campus uh, at the school. Megan w- worked at the preschool at Foothill Christian Preschool right here in Glendora. Uh, we had an apartment on Gary Avenue in Pomona, and, and we were married and, and we were excited to be married, and uh, we were still just in that honeymoon phase and hadn't really gotten used to being married. Um, you, and if you're married, you understand that. It takes a little while before you get used to the idea that you're married. Um, by the way, we have a marriage class information meeting tonight <laughs> at 6 p.m., right? Because it doesn't take you long to realize you're like, I'm in over my head, right? Well, we didn't even get to that point. By the end of January, we discovered that Megan was pregnant. And so we're not even used to the fact that we're married, and now we're going to have a baby. And uh, I, I imagine in your home, it's the same as ours. We process things differently. Megan was more like Mary, where she pondered these things quietly in her heart. And I wanted to scream it from the rooftops. And, uh, and I'm not quite sure that we reached a compromise, because we don't need to be married just a few weeks. We're still figuring that out. But I just remember feeling overwhelmed. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be a dad. My wife is pregnant. And I, I played a role in that. It's overwhelming. I'm going to be a dad. And so my mind was spinning, and I'm not going to lie, I kind of freaked out a little bit. Right, because I was basing it on what I could feel and see. And I'm like, I feel scared, and I see that we don't have enough money. <laughs> right? And so I started coming up with human solutions to uh, the blessing that God had blessed us with. And I thank God that Megan was just stable. She's like, no, we're not moving out of state. We're staying here. We're going to finish school, and God's going to provide. And, and he did, and, and our faith was built in the midst of that time and in the midst of that journey, and nine months later in September, Micah was born. I remember here at San Dimas Hospital where he was born, seeing him for the first time as a dad just going, it's my job to care for this little guy. He's my son. If you've seen our kids around, you recognize that the genetics in our family are pretty strong. Um, People kind of look at us and they're like, oh yeah, Yeah, those those are your kids. Um, That's someone who shares our DNA, someone who was born because of our love and because of our covenant relationship, and then the responsibility that comes with it, that I had fathered a child. By the time we had been married 10 years, we had four kids, and every one of them, you'd think it would get easier. Oh, it's another baby coming. Oh, the weight of that. And then we, we had a girl. And it was a whole different feeling as a daddy. Jesus is a father who fathers. And in the way that I was a father to four children, that because of our marriage, because of us coming together, that we were able to give birth to four children. Jesus is a father who gives birth to something, but not children. Jesus didn't get married. He didn't have babies. He came to father something different. And he's a father who fathers. We understand this in a different sense. Uh, You've heard this phrase, that someone would be the father of or the mother of, right? Have you heard that before? All right. Let's let's lift the mood a little bit here this morning. All right. We're going to do a little trivia. You ready for some engagement? So, So let me set the stage. I'm actually asking for you to respond to these questions. Um, I'm going to give you some categories, and if you know who the father or the mother of a particular area is, you let me know. You shout it out, all right? So we'll start with some sports. The father of American football. 
Anyone know? <laughs> you know, funny story. Church I grew up in, someone gave, lady came up and gave a, a word to the church, and she just said, you know, I just want to say to all the kids out there, as you're taking your tests, and you don't know the answer, you just put Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer. And all the parents were like, don't put Jesus. <laughs> don't put Jesus. Good answer, Destiny. American football. Oh, I know it's football fans. Walter Camp. Walter Camp, the father of American football. Okay, baseball fans in the house. Father of American baseball. Mike Trout. That's good. Henry Chadwick. Henry Chadwick. How about scuba diving? Jacques Cousteau. Jacques Cousteau. Yes, you got it. <laughs> nice. I thought, I thought Ed and Rebecca would be back from Hawaii this morning because he's a huge mountain bike fan. They're, they're not back yet. They're still sunning themselves. But uh, father of mountain biking, Gary Fisher. Gary Fisher. You're all taking notes. You're like, this is going to come handy. All right, we're going to move to science and engineering. I've got a few of them here. It's kind of fun. All right. The father of computing. Charles Babbage. Charles Babbage. How about the mother of computer programming? Right? Ada Lovelace. You wouldn't know that, right? She's known as the mother. Uh, the, the father of genetics was Gregor Mendel. Uh, modern physics, the mother of modern physics. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> Madame Curie. All right, for all the petrol heads in the room. Yeah, petrol heads, that's a South African thing. The rotary engine. The father of the rotary engine, Mazda. They were in the what? Mazda. Felix Wankel. The gasoline engine. No. Now, he, he, he's known as the father of uh, the, the production line. The gasoline engine is Carl Benz. All right, here's a tricky one. You ready for this one? This is a tricky one because I know it's going to pop into your head. The father of the internet. <laughs> no, believe it or not, that's wrong. Vince Cerf and Bob Kahn were that. The periodic table, where are science teachers in the room? You're like, I want to raise my hand. Who's the father of the periodic table? Yes, Dimitri Mendeleev. The father of the telephone? Alexander Graham Bell. All right, it's coming back. And then the last one, the father of the interstate highway. Ooh, <laughs> Lightning McQueen, Dwight D. Yes, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Good job. Each of these people are recognized as the father or the mother in their respective fields. Why? Because they started something new. They invented or initiated something that wasn't there before. And because of their role in inventing or discovering or pioneering, they're now recognized as the mother of and the father of. See, Jesus is our father. He's the father who fathers because of what he initiated, because of what he brought forth, what he started, and what that was was a new covenant between God and men, a new covenant between God and man. See, if we go back to the Old Testament, we know that there are three fathers, predominant fathers, that we would pay attention to in the Old Testament. Father Adam, Father Noah, and Father Abraham had many sons. I know you're, sing you're singing it, so. <laughs> Father Adam, Father Noah, and Father Abraham. And each one of these men received a covenant promise from God. They received a covenant promise from God. But it was Adam and, and Eve in the Garden of Eden at creation and in that place where they had covenant relationship with God 
that they chose to disobey. And because of their disobedience, there was, an, a, there was a brokenness. There's a breaking of covenant relationship. And it separated us from God. Not only separated us, but also made us enemies of God. That we were no longer able to approach God, to be in his presence. It says of Adam and Eve that they walked with God in the cool of the evening. That they, they, they gazed upon God. They were created in his image and they had personal relationship, intimate and face-to-face relationship with God. But because of sin, that was broken. And they were cast out of the garden and there was an angel set there to, to protect from them ever coming back in. And from that point on, there was a separation between God and man. And, and all through the Old Testament, what we, what we discover is that God does his best to try and express himself and reach himself out to us as people. But every attempt was imperfect. And so the covenants with Noah and with Abraham, as much of a blessing as they were, they were imperfect. They, they didn't go all the way. And so the separation still existed until Jesus. Until that baby was born 2,000 years ago and laid in that manger, that baby fully God and fully human, came to usher in a new season, to establish a new covenant. And, and so, in so doing, the baby is a father because he's starting something new. And because he is fully God and fully man, and because of the life he lived and the death he died and the fact that he resurrected and that he, now, he ascended and now sits the right hand of the father, making intercession for us. Because of what we did, we are now reconciled to God. And so he is our father. Jesus is our father because of what he initiated on our behalf. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 44 through 49 says this. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies, speaking of our bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. For the scripture tells us the first, the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man. And just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. See, Jesus was not born in the same way that my children were born. That the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're with child by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus in her womb and it was not a natural conception. It was immaculate. It was beautiful because God was stepping into, into earth, putting himself in a place where he could now reconcile because there was something of a perfection, not born of the flesh, but born of the spirit. And so while I have a father, I mentioned his name is Brian. I also have a father. His name is God. And even though I am a citizen of this world and I live in this place, I'm also a citizen of heaven. And even though I have an inheritance in this world that will take the form of money or possessions, I have an eternal inheritance because my heavenly Father has made it so. That He has reconciled me with the heavenly Father, with God, so that I can now be the beneficiary and walk under that covering and the authority that God the Father establishes and Jesus has initiated on our behalf. And so Jesus establishes himself as our Father, giving birth to a new lineage, to a new inheritance. Jesus said it this way in Luke twenty two twenty. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. See, Jesus took it upon himself to establish this new covenant. And the blood that was shed was perfect. It was sinless. And because of that, we were restored to what Adam and Eve were in the garden. Full relationship with God. No longer enemies, but now sons and daughters. Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus 
the champion, listen to this, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Jesus initiated this new covenant. He initiated the way, and he is our father because of it. He is the father of the new covenant, and as such, he is our eternal father. Is that good? Amen. Not only is Jesus the father who fathers, Jesus is also the father who fights for. He's the father who fights for. You know, I love the way that kids see their dads. It's kind of, kind of cool. I remember being a little guy, and, and I looked at my dad, and I was like, my dad is the most awesome human being on the planet, all right? My dad is just the coolest ever, and I think girls and boys see this differently. I can only speak to the boy perspective. A lot, well, I can speak to a lot more because I'm a boy, but, but I know from what I've seen and even my relationship with my daughter, uh, she sees me as just kind of the, the knight, the hero, right, uh, the, the, the protector, and it's just like, that, oh, my daddy, right? And especially when she comes to me, she's like, daddy. I'm like, you want a pony? I'll get you a pony, right? <laughs> I, think, I think God blessed me in only giving me one daughter because I couldn't handle anymore. <laughs> but for boys, they see their dads. It's like, my dad is so strong, right? My dad, my dad's better than your dad. My dad's faster than your dad. My dad's stronger than your dad. My dad could beat up your, you know, with, right? We go there because we're guys and it's all about, my dad. And we love it, right? You been there? Yeah. And as dads, we love it when we hear our kids talk like, yeah, that's, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> we love it when our kids look at us that way. And so they, they just build us up and they're Oh, my dad. My dad is the one who fights for me, the one who protects me, who guards me, right? In the middle of the night, if there's that noise, my dad will, he will, he will come to my rescue. And it's an appropriate perspective to have because it's representative of the perspective we should have of Jesus. He's the father who fights for us. He fights for us. No, he's not going to beat up your dad. He fights for us in a different way. It's his role as our protector, as our guardian. See, Jesus loves kids. He loves kids. See, as a dad, I'm like, yeah, you can mess with me, but you mess with my kids, right? It's on. It's on. Don't mess with my kids. And Jesus, as a father, has the same heart. Matthew chapter 18, verse 5 through 6, I think is the greatest example of this. Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. This is Jesus. Is he serious? I wouldn't mess with him. Why? Because Jesus as our father is a protector. He's the one who fights for us. He's the one who goes to battle for us. Not just on the cross. And not just when he resurrected from the grave. And not just in our day-to-day lives. Though he does fight for us. How is it that he fights for us? Yes, he is our protection here on earth. Absolutely. He wants to to, to be a safeguard, a strong tower for us. But there's a greater way that Jesus fights for us. Because again, we're temporal. We live in this time. But it's a short time. Where Jesus is eternal. And so he is fighting for us in the midst of eternity. What does that battle look like? It looks like him standing before the Father. And deflecting every accusation that the enemy would bring against us. Every accusation, everything that he would cast our way, every dispersion, everything where he would want to tear us down, the enemy that is, that Jesus goes to fight for us. And he stands before the Father and he makes intercession for us. Hebrews 7, 19 through 25 says this, For the law never made anything perfect. 
See, the law was in place because it was broken relationship. And God gave the law so that man could get as close to God as possible. But it was imperfect because we couldn't go all the way. But now we have confidence through a better hope through which we draw near to God. This new system was established with a solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. But there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You can put in the place of oath, the promise, the promise of Jesus, and he will not break his vow. You are a priest forever, verse 22. Because of this oath, because of this promise, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system for death prevented them from remaining in office, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Jesus is eternal He is not born of flesh. He is born of the Spirit. And unlike the priest who would make intercession for the people on the altar in the temple or in the tabernacle, Jesus' priesthood is established forever because he is born of Spirit. And in that place, he is a mediator. He stands on our behalf and he goes to fight for you. He fights for you even when you don't know that he's fighting for you. That every attack, every word, every dart, every arrow that the enemy would want to bring your way, Jesus stands before the Father as a son and a daughter established in the kingdom of God. And he says, no, hands off. No, you don't have access. No, he belongs to me. I am his father. Jesus is the father who fights for us. And finally, Jesus is the Father who cares. He cares for. Jesus cares for us. Now, you look at a baby lying in a manger and you realize that baby is the one who needs care. I remember when we brought Micah home, he came a little bit early and we had just moved into a new apartment uh, on campus at a church here locally and we were still painting. In fact, we'd been painting his room the night before we brought him home. And so, uh, surprise, <laughs> Mike is here. And we brought him home and we set him down on, uh, on the floor on a blanket and we sat with him there and then Megan and I just sat and cried. Tears of joy, but also tears of, we just brought a baby home to our house <laughs> and we're not ready. We didn't have a crib ready, so uh, the first couple of nights he actually slept in a, in a box, a little cardboard, and we just kind of put blankets in it, and we're like, okay, let's just do the best we can, and um, some friends of ours came over, in fact, Stacy Knapp, who uh, many of you know, and, and her friends came over, and they helped get our house ready, and were a great support to us, but we realized we now have to care for this baby, and he was helpless, still, no, I'm just kidding, he's not still helpless, <laughs> he's great, we have to do everything for him, he has nothing that he could do for himself. Yet here you have the picture of the baby Jesus lying in a manger, helpless. Yet in that helpless state, he's the one who was sent to care for us. What a great expression of God's love and care that he would come for us. Never think about baby Jesus as being someone who cares for me. But the fact that he is there, that that we see him in that place, means that he cares. But he also cares for us in a lot more ways. See, being a dad is really a a great responsibility. And I look back on my years as a father, and I, I can see the places where I've done well, but I also know I've dropped the ball a lot. There's been a lot of times when I haven't been there for my kids. I haven't been the dad that they needed me to be for them. I haven't cared for them, and I haven't cared for Megan the way that God had called me to. And I regret those things, and by the grace of God, we are where we are. And I recognize that even at Christmas time, for, for many it's a, and for most, it's a joyful time of the year, but, but for many it's a painful time of the year, especially in regard to broken 
relationship with family. Maybe that father, an absent father, or father that you've never known, or father who didn't father and protect and care for the way he should have, leaves a sore place in our hearts. God cares for that place. He cares for those tender places in our lives, and he doesn't disregard it and say, hey, just get over it. In fact, we recognize that as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, father wounding, as they call it, is one of the biggest issues we deal with in in our walk with the Lord and having an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father because we take the brokenness of that relationship and we project it on our Heavenly Father and go, well, He let me down. My dad wasn't there for me. My dad hurt me. My dad didn't care for me. My, my dad was, was uh, maybe verbally abusive or in other ways, maybe just n- never there at all. Maybe my Heavenly Father will do likewise. And I just tell you this morning that your heavenly father and the care through Jesus, the father who cares for you, will never end. That he will never leave us. That he will never forsake us. Romans chapter 8 verse 38 through 39 says this. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'll insert, and Father. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. One of the joys of Christmas is that we get to receive a gift from Jesus in his personhood, in his fatherhood fatherhood to us that can bring healing to those broken places in our lives where we can stand in a place of confidence and say, I know my heavenly father will never leave me, that he cares for me, that he fights for me, that he loves me. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am always with you or with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. What age is he talking about, by the way? This, this time that we live in right now. Because his kingdom has no end. And we're part of that kingdom. And one day we will meet him in that kingdom. But for right now he says even in the midst. And here's the encouragement church. In the midst of this kingdom. In the midst of this time. In the midst of this hurt. Whether Christmas is a time of celebration or a time of pain. Jesus says I will never leave you. I am there with you always. Even to the end of this age. And I care for you. I love you. My prayer for you this morning, for all of us, is that we would receive that care from him. That we would receive that care from him. As a dad, I'm, I'm, I'm painfully aware of my mistakes. The solace and the peace comes in this. I have, heavenly, I have a heavenly father, and my children have a heavenly father who loves them more than I even do. And who can make up And bring healing in the places where I've messed up. And so I don't walk around with my head hung low going, oh, man, I messed my kids up. Oh, I did them wrong. When he goes, Lord, would you forgive me? Allow me to receive the care you have for me as your son. And then to receive the care you have even for my children. My prayer for us as a congregation, as we draw closer to to Christmas, is that we recognize that Jesus is our Father, that He fights for us, and that He cares for you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I don't know where you're at in that spectrum. Where you're at in in your your relationship with your, your earthly father, or how this message intersects you. But as we conclude with this final worship song, I want to encourage you, would you open your heart to receive the care and love that your Heavenly Father has? 
I love that Jesus came as a baby first. We know that when he returns, he will come as the conquering king. He will come on a, on a white horse with a sword and, and, and everyone will know. But he first came as a baby in a way that we could receive him, non-threatening, an expression of love. Would you receive that love today? Would you allow Jesus to minister to those broken places? To bring healing where he needs to bring healing. To bring restoration where he needs to bring restoration. To be your heavenly father. And to usher you into a time, maybe, maybe this Christmas will be the first Christmas in maybe years. Where you get to celebrate, as Brian said, with a joy that, that, that flows from a deep knowing. Not simply from the emotion. Can we stand together this morning? Father God, thank you for expressing your love to us in such amazing ways. Jesus, we thank you that you are our everlasting Father, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, you will never disappoint us, that you stand in a place to make intercession for us, that you have opened the doors for us to have relationship with us, with our heavenly Father. That you've reconciled God to men through your sacrifice. And Lord, I pray that we would embrace you as our heavenly Father. That as we understand the truth of your word, and as the Holy Spirit ministers to our souls, that we would receive you. And everything that you have for us. I pray healing in Jesus' name this morning. I pray for those, Lord, who carry a father wound. Well, the idea of God as Father, as Jesus as my heavenly Father and my eternal Father is a difficult idea, different, difficult concept. Lord, I pray that you bring healing in those broken places this morning. Right now, Holy Spirit, do your mending work. Do your mending work. God, I pray this, this Christmas that there would be reconciliation that would take place within families. The relationships that have been broken would be restored in the same way, Jesus, that you restored our relationship with our Heavenly Father. God, that you would bring reconciliation in our homes and in our families. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You will-